0: I'm Brad. Welcome to Strange for History, the podcast where we talk about, you guessed it, strange history. This is an older episode, recorded and produced before the podcast started to get attention, before editing was done to episodes, before I had a good feeling for how an episode of Strange for History needed to sound, and before our rebranding to Strange for History, These old episodes are not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of stuff here that I'm really not proud of, like audio glitches, bad dialogue, poor editing, and segments that needed to be dropped, like the interviews, or like the rapid fire history facts. While you're welcome to start and listen from here, I would recommend that you fast forward to episode 12, Spanish Civil War, instead. Either here or there, I hope you enjoy this journey that we will take together as we explore many of the things that make us, us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this little podcast. And even if you do not continue past here, I do so very much appreciate you and your time. Hi, I'm Brad. I feel like introductions are in order before we begin this little soiree. I live in a small town in the middle of the Appalachian mountain range with my two roommates, are three cats, crushing depression, and a rather base knowledge of all things history. It's been my favorite subject in school, it's a major part of my personal career, I'm a store guide at an old asylum, and it's in my future, as I'm in college right now as we speak for career and history education. I am by no means a professional, nor am I even halfway decent at this. Please... Please bear with me. Episode 1. To Blot the Sun. Today on Strange History, we are discussing a famous last stand. Possibly the most famous last stand. The event that inspired 300... And the opening tutorial of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, this is the Battle of Thermopylae. Greek historian and father of modern history, Herodotus speaks of a great battle in book seven of his histories, a battle that would be ingrained in military history for years to come. In terms of major battles, it is far from it, although it is important for a number of different reasons. To understand why Thermopylae is so interesting, though, we need a good understanding of why the Spartans stood against the Persian Empire. In 491 BC, Persian Emperor Darius I asked the major city-states of the Greek world for offers of earth and water, as a token of submission to him, somewhat as a prelude to surrender. Many of the city-states simply obliged this offer, fearful of yet another push by Persia and terrified of yet another war on Greek shores. These ambassadors arrived in Athens and Sparta as well, two of the largest and most powerful states in Greece. Athens, ever political, tried the ambassadors and subsequently called for their execution. Sparta, according to legends, simply kicked them into a large well. Persia eventually attacked Athens during a naval battle. Which led to a very shocking and random Athenian victory, even though they were massively outnumbered. Persia returned to Asia to lick their wounds and prepare for another invasion. It was in this time that Darius I passed the throne to Xerxes, his son, and the largest land army assembled at this point in history was formed under Persian rule. Battle plans, including a stand at the Pass of Thermopylae and the eventual evacuation of Athens, would be made. If the small, narrow mountain pass couldn't hold, the entirety of the Greek world would fall. Sparta marched first, as Leonidas I was the de facto military leader of the Athens-Spartan alliance. He took with him 300 hippies, the Spartan royal bodyguards. Their final destination would be the middle gate of the Thermopylae Pass, the narrowest and easiest-to-defend portion. Along the way, Leonidas managed to muster 6,700 more troops, bringing the Spartans' main fighting force to around 7,000. It was in this time that someone mentioned a mountain pass around the flank of the Spartans, and Leonidas suggested to place 1,000 troops there to defend it, in case Persian forces snuck around to attack from the rear. Finally, in mid-August, Persia made themselves known, rounding the corner. A force estimated to be 2,641,000, according to Herodotus, But modern guesses say that number is closer to 70,000, or upwards of 30,000. With an army this massive on the horizon, a fearful Greek soldier said, Because of the arrows, it will be impossible to see the sun. To which Leonidas, calm and collected, simply replied, Good. Wouldn't it be nice to have some shade in which to fight? On the first day of combat, four days after Persia arrived with their massive army, Xerxes finally decided to attack Spartan lines. 5,000 archers fired a volley of arrows from what historians believe to be only around 100 yards away. The wooden, leather, and bronze-wrapped shields, bronze helmet, and heavy bronze armor of the Spartans simply made the arrows bounce away without any major injuries. After this failure, Xerxes deployed the first wave of troops, estimated to be 10,000 strong, to attack Spartan positions in melee combat. The Greeks, according to Herodotus, stood shoulder to shoulder using their massive shields. This is, of course, the famous phalanx of the Greeks, a combat style in which shields were used to create a shield wall, with spears projected through it at two points, making it difficult for lightly armored troops to get close. The units for each major city were rotated out constantly, meaning there were always more troops than needed to defend the pass. The Greeks killed so many Persians on the first day of combat that Xerxes himself rose from his seat on three separate occasions, just to watch his army be cut to ribbons, with only three Spartan troops being killed in combat. Pissed off at the massive defeat on the first day of combat, Xerxes sent 10,000 of his elite troops, the Persian immortals, to attack Greek lines. They would fare no better and make no progress. On day two, Xerxes, under the impression the Greeks would be disabled by their wounds, marched his troops into the pass yet again, and wave upon wave fell on the shields of the Spartans and Greeks. Persian troops would recall a retreat, with Xerxes being totally perplexed at how much a small force could turn his massive army time and time again. Later that evening, a traitor from Greek lines would inform Xerxes of a mountain pass around Thermopylae, which would allow the Persians to outflank the Greeks and attack the back lines. Xerxes deployed one of his commanders and sent him with what remained of the immortals, and gave him an extra 20,000 troops to circle the pass. On the third day of combat, Persia finally managed to get behind the Greek lines, only to find out the majority of the army had fled leaving only 3,000 Spart- or 300 Spartans and 1,700 other assorted troops. Knowing the battle was lost since they were surrounded, Sparta and her allies abandoned the shield wall, dropped the phalanx, and marched into open combat against the Persian horde. It is unknown why retreat was not given. Spartan military tradition does, of course, call for no retreats, though it was also said that Leonidas was committing a sacrifice, as the Oracle of Delphi stated that Sparta would either lose their king or their country. Either way, the most likely theory today persists that Leonidas simply formed a rear guard to cover the escape, knowing that Persian cavalry would run down the the Greek troops on the open field. At dawn, Xerxes allowed time for his troops to circumnavigate the Greeks before ordering another attack. 10,000 troops descended on the force of barely 2,000, but were met with men unwilling to surrender or retreat. They fought with spears and swords until everything was broken and blunted. "'slaughtering as many Persians as they possibly could. "'Finally, in the midst of battle, "'Leonidas would fall under arrow fire. "'Upon seeing this, Persian and Greek forces "'clashed yet again over the control of the body "'of their king and enemy, "'and finally the Greeks would take back his remains. "'Unable to hold further ground, "'the Greeks were forced backwards "'and finally retreated to a small hill behind them, "'where they'd be shot down and slain by Persian arrows. "'Finally, the battle was over and done. "'With the pass now open,' Persian troops would pour through to attack and loot the Greek world. But behind the scenes, Xerxes ordered the decapitation of Leonidas, something strange in Persian culture as warriors who fought bravely were usually met with respect. He, of course, was the exception. Forty years after the battle was over, his bones would finally be returned to Sparta, and the great king would be buried with honors. All in all, the Battle of Thermopylae is arguably one of the most important battles of of the ancient European world. And is referenced in ancient, modern, and contemporary history. Were it not for the eventual retreat of Greek forces, perhaps the Persians would have been forced to retreat for lack of food and water. Perhaps Thermopylae is most important for the massive inspiration that it set for the future. Even today, use of small forces to hold fortified areas, decisive training, and force multipliers are still in play at a modern military setting. And references of last stands, like that of Leonidas and his Spartans, can be seen throughout history and events such as the Battle of Windsor and the Siege of the Alamo. At the end of the day, small victory or staggering defeat, Thermopylae would become a deciding factor towards the end of the greco persian War, although that would not come for many months. Spartans were trained from birth and had some of the best equipment that ancient Greek fighting force could muster. Full Full bronze plate upwards of 70 pounds would make up the brunt of the physical body armor, followed by a massive bronze helmet and a massive bronze leather, and wooden shield, sometimes weighing upwards of 18 pounds. That would be used as both a defensive and offensive weapon. Finally, the massive 15-foot-long spear, called a dory, and a 24-inch double-bladed sword would round out the Spartans' offensive weapons. Leonidas and his main troops would be fighting Persian light infantry, armed with short swords, leather armor, and wicker shields. This massive upset in armament could give reasons to why the Spartan line held for as long as it did although trained soldiers fighting slaves in a ragtag assortment of hastily readied troops could also influence the end of the battle. Harmon, I just love your mustache, man. It is so defined. You look so mature with that. Thanks, man. Upkeep is a bit of a struggle, but I deal with the vibes. Upkeep? You know, I actually have some stuff that can help with that. Have you heard of the beard struggle? Oh, you mean the thing I deal with every day? No, the company. The Beard that... Struggle is a company dedicated to the growth and preservation of beards. They offer a long range of products from oils and balms to butters, shampoos, heated brushes, and even growth supplements. It wasn't in the script, but that does sound wonderful. But conditions, rollers, cloud! Brad, I... Go check out all the cool stuff over on thebeardstruggle.com and use coupon code STRANGE at checkout for 15% off your order. 15% with the code STRANGE? (laughs) I do like saving. Once more, that's thebeardstruggle.com and apply coupon code STRANGE at checkout for 15%. That's code STRANGE. Build yourself a better, stronger beard. All right. And towards the end of the episode, I'm always going to ask random people to uh, <coughs> She doesn't have covid. Towards the she end of the, e-
1: the other day.
0: Towards the end of the episode, I'm always going to have my roommates or whoever I can drag off the street or maybe even the cats to give you guys a rundown of what they know about whatever the subject matter is. So, Michael, do you have any comments? As to the Battle of Thermopylae, the Spartans, Leonidas? No. No? No. Short, sweet, and to the point. I love it. Do you have any questions? Not at this time, but I might after Rachel. Okay. Okay, so that's Michael's brilliant insight into the most important battle of the Greco-Persian War. Short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, Rachel, what are your thoughts?
1: Um... I don't have much more than Michael. I just, I got my battles mixed up when you asked me um, if I knew anything about this earlier. I don't even know what the hell I was thinking about. Um, I know I watched a movie and a couple documentaries about it when I was like four with my dad. Yeah, that's, I probably could go into like, tactic discussions and battle strategics and like, quote the art of war here, but my brain doesn't work right now, so.
0: I bet Thermopylae is haunted as fuck.
1: We need passports.
0: Hey, I'm down.
1: We're gonna sell everything. Is
0: a no. to do. Oh yeah, Get it's a national park.
1: to babysit the cats, and we're literally just going to put everything that we don't sell in a storage unit and like live at your dad's when we're not traveling. Okay. Yeah, we're just going to ghost hunt like famous places like that. New life goal.
0: Sounds like a life goal to me. I mean 24,000 people were killed in less than a 72 hour time frame in one like 100 by 100 area
1: and they said that only 300 men did it but in reality eh,
0: 1700 but who's counting
1: clearly not the spartans
0: i mean 300 spartan hoplites on their own are pretty fucking ballsy true true how do you know that they're spartans they were trained from the age of seven to be nothing but purebred warriors
1: literally all they knew was S- killing.
0: Sparta's standing army during the time of the Greco-Persian War was barely 1,200 people, but no one wanted to fight them. That was like everyone at all three of our high schools put together fighting against an entire continent, and everyone was like, fuck no. We ain't gonna touch it. The U.S. military and the Russian military. Together,
1: yeah. Together. Nobody could take them. Nobody. No. No.
0: That we could take them. No. We could take them. With what? Are we going to meet on a level playing field? Is it going to be like...
1: It's going to be sticks with arrowheads attached to the end of them, and we're going to
0: go poke. Okay, yeah, Spartans are going to take it. No, 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 no. We're at least going to have like World War One arrow weapons, just no tanks. They wouldn't know how to work them. It's going to take away all the force multipliers. The reason Sparta did so well was because they fielded the most advanced technology a military group could have during the Battle of Thermopylae. They want to share their technology with us, and it's going to be 50:50. We're going to be so outnumbered to them. No, they're going to be outnumbered to us that we'll just win.
1: Yeah.
0: We'll, we might lose five to one fighter, but we have enough numbers to where we could still beat. Yeah. See, that's what Persia thought. And they still got their asses so handed way to way them for three them. days. We're just going to lose a hell of a lot of people. I don't know. I mean, Persia fielded... And- Allegedly an army of almost 3 million people against 7,000 guys.
1: Would pay to see Native Pacific Islanders and Native Americans fight them. That would be a good one.
0: That would be. That would be.
1: That I, I don't know if I would bet money on who would win that one or not. Because it would be really damn close. It would
0: be. Spartans were the go-to fighting force. During this time frame.
1: And think about all of the battles that you hear about between different islands in the Pacific. And think about the different native tribes and how fucking badass they were.
0: But you also have to take into consideration a lot of the native tribes didn't engage in open field, real military-based combat. No, it
1: was guerrilla warfare. Right. Which... Could win it for
0: them. Could, depending on the location. That's why Sparta <laughs> chose the Thermopylae Pass, was because, because they had a terrain multiplier.
1: And because it narrowed everybody else in, you could pick right. them off. Like, they had to file in slower, and it you could pick. There were less of them at one time. So right. Could,
0: <clears throat> so, any questions before we finish the episode? I like still me? think we could take them. I feel like he's looking things up about it at the No, time. I'm not. Not this time. All right. Well, I think that's it for uh, episode one of Strange History, covering the Battle of Thermopylae. Wait,
1: I do have a question. Absolutely. What made you choose this as your first episode?
0: I'm fascinated by any part of the Peloponnesian Peninsula and the idea of... <sighs> 300 people doing this amazing, ballsy, you know, balls to the wall last stand is always something that I've found to be really really interesting. And
1: of course it would be the like damn Spartans.
0: Of course. Of course. So next week I'm going to draw up a little bit of more modern recent history and we're going to cover the Battle of Castle Itter during the last few months of World War II. You've not heard of that one?
1: No, it sounds very, very familiar. (laughs) Itter
0: was awesome. Basically, the U.S., the French, and a little portion of the German-based military teamed up to fight off the SS. We're going to
1: have to ask Dad
0: about that one. I'm going to need you for that one. I'm going to need you both for that. All right, so that will probably release next Friday. I'm going to try to drop an episode every Friday, so... All right. Thank you for listening. Much love. For the historical events of the day, which is October 29th. Let's see. Um, today in ni- in 1692, the court of oyer and terminer convened on the Salem Witch Trials.
1: Oh, witches
0: witches um opera don giovanni by wolfgang mozart premieres the national theater of bohemia in prague 1787 oh, do bitches. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> such a good song though i can't <laughs> i can't think of anything else right now it's just stuck you're, in my head. you're
1: welcome i'm good at that
0: In 1888, Lord Salisbury grants Cecil Rhodes charter for the British South African Company.
1: Salisbury.
0: And it was the first election of the Hawaiian Republic in 1894. Now for a sad one. In 1913, floods in El Salvador killed thousands of people. Oh, it's also the day of the Black Tuesday Wall Street stock market track that uh, started the Great Depression. What a wonderful time to be alive, ladies and gentlemen. My
1: entire life is a Great Depression.
0: I feel that. Should we do one more or two more? That's four. Do you want to do five or do you want to end on six? Six,
1: it's an even number. No, but five's that nice, like, incredible. I don't fucking It's your podcast.
0: <sighs> that's true. Okay, so we will do two more. Um, This marks the seventh day of the battle at El Amin and the Montgomery assault. And it was the day that Nazis murdered 16,000 Jews in Pinsk in the Soviet Union. The 1st Polish Armored Division liberates Breda Netherlands. Um, The first ballpoint pen goes on sale. How about that? And that's today's random events
1: thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of strange for history i hope you enjoyed learning about today's subject and it was a lot of fun having you with brad not me (laughs) you'll have me if you start on episode 12 You can find this podcast on many different places, such as Facebook and Twitter. That's at Strange, the number four history. And on all major streaming sites as well, such as Google, Amazon, Spotify, Apple, um, even good pods, those indie ones. Or really, wherever your ears are listening. We at Strange for History appreciate your companionship and hope you continue to enjoy learning about those strange weird things that make
0: us, us. (laughs)